Hello and welcome to the Drunken Balrod podcast. This is the first in the NPC series, a Dungeons & Dragons themed podcast. And today we are joined by Matt and Keljoy. According to the 1D&D FAQ, 1D&D is the codename for the next generation of Dungeons & Dragons, bringing together three initiatives that will shape the future of the game. They are broken down into D&D Rules, which is currently the 5th edition that we all know and love. Uh, D&D Beyond, that we all loathe and use. And uh, D&D Digital Play Experience, which sounds like it's going to be a foundry kind of thing that they're working on. Uh, I know originally it was thought of the 1D&D would be a new set of rules, completely separate from version 5. Uh, so it would be like a version 6 but it's it has now become more of a five point one. What was your thought? What what did you lot think when they first announced new rules being being written and make it sound like it was a brand new version? Suspicious, because they're trying to hide things. They're trying to hide. They said it was backwards compatible, but like any any new product is released, they want to try and phase out the old thing. And I only just started learning comfortably the old thing. And I've got so many PDFs that are on the old system. I mean, old in that sense. Mm. So I'm very not keen to play. I mean, I've got enough content for 5e to keep me going for a good 10 years, probably, with <laughs> enough excitement and variation. And there's various different other systems I play as well I'd like to explore. I mean, people are still playing 3.5. Still playing old school Renaissance is the first edition, so I don't think 5e is going anywhere for at least the next for the core fans and people who really like it. I think it's here to stay, and I don't think I think people will try it, but because of the OGL debacle that we we'll maybe discuss later, I think all they've really done is fracture the community into lots of different people playing lots of different games that are very similar, like the new MCDM and Project Black Flag and things like that. Uh, I, I've been reading up on it. It does seem to be just a, an improvement, like a, a patch on, on 5e, um, which we'll be covering shortly with some of the stuff that I was looking at. Um, what about you, Matt? What are your, your thoughts? Yeah, I, th- I think my, um, my initial reaction was I never thought they'd do a huge amount to the game. I would like them to, you know, I, I would like it to be the, the kind of standard game that people play is maybe a bit more interesting, but 5e is just so accessible in terms of how it's designed that I think it was really hard with how popular it's become in the last sort of since the release of 5 It becomes really hard to completely change the system up. Um, you know, people don't have stuff tying them to a game as much, so it's not like Warhammer where to play, you know, to play the game, you're kind of probably still playing those rules. Um, it just so I never thought they'd change it too much. Once they said it was backwards compatible, I figured we weren't gonna get get very much at all. Um having seen the unearthed arcanas and all the sort of uh, playtest packets and stuff, I'm not I don't I mean they seem to constantly be going back on the rules and changing very, very little, albeit there are some things they're improving, but I think how they've constructed the surveys in particular, there's one particular thing of the surveys that I think they've fundamentally misunderstood. 
harmonizing that to create the right problems. What was that? Um, for how they're taking feedback. So they ask a question about overall class satisfaction, and then they ask about satisfaction of um, individual features. So they say, okay, how do you feel about action search for the fighter? How do you feel about second wind? How do you feel about the new version? And people go, oh, well, yeah, yeah, I really, you know, all the new versions are good. Do you like multi-attack? Well, of course, I like multi-attack, you know, what makes a fighter a fighter. And then they ask about overall satisfaction. They say, well, everyone was 80% satisfied with all the fighter abilities, but 60% satisfied with the fighter overall. And they said, well, that's probably people just, they ask the overall question first and people don't realize how much they like it. And I think that's a fundamental misunderstanding. Um, I'm a social researcher by background, right? You've got to really deconstruct the question. The reason people aren't given that answer isn't because they haven't thought about it, I don't think. There's a lot of very little players who think about it a lot. What they haven't thought about is the fact that people are given that answer because the fight is missing something overall. It's not that the existing features aren't good, for instance. It's that there's some fundamental things that the fight is missing that aren't captured in those features, and that's where people are dissatisfied. Um, they also just have no idea how to write a monk, but that's that's complete dumpster fire. So that's probably the <laughs> time when we we had six hours to chat rather than thirty minutes. Well, say that for uh, a later date then. Um, I fighters was actually one of the classes I was looking at at the what what they're changing uh, as uh, I think Kel Jordan, you said that you liked the fighters, wasn't it? Yeah, I do like a fighter because it's nice and simple. I mean, ninety percent of my time is running games, not playing them. So for me, it's like I get decision anxiety. If you give me two hundred spells, that's too many spells for me. You tell me I can do these five spells, right? Okay, what's the what's one of the five options I have in this in this situation that are best for me? Not here is like an Argos catalog of options that just confuse me. It just it's just decision anxiety. Um, to be honest, a lot of what I do is emotional rather than, like you said about how satisfied you are with the fighter is this, or how satisfied. To me, it's like, are we playing? Yes. Is it completely broken? No, then let's go. I'm not, I don't get down to the nitty gritty. Mm. I'm just, Wizards of the Coast have soured me on their behavior. I can't trust them. I know that there are some people at company that didn't decide to do the OGL that genuinely said this would be a really bad idea for the community. However, I can't trust a business to act. I've got a, a slight flourish on Mike Shea, who runs a podcast, said, you know, you've got to keep looking at his candles. D&D Beyond, D&D Beyond um, is one candle, is where you can make a digital character. Another candle is the books being available online. Another PDF, like having all this stuff, past stuff, IDS. Why can't we buy 5e IDS and then we can own them forever? We don't need to worry about Wizards of the Coast. Mm. So they've just... I'm very much like trying to keep my eye on what I can make sure that I've got for the next five to ten years and stepping away from my dependence back from my dependence on this is the coast. You know they're they're doing bundles <clears throat> that will cover both digital and physical sets of the books and everything else. So you'll be able to I'm gonna assume there's a code that you use and it'll register with D D beyond. So you have the PDF version, but you also have a physical book actually. Uh, but D&D Beyond is not a PDF, it's rental. It's like iTunes, so, and don't get me wrong, I like my films on iTunes, mm. but I think someone said 
if I completely, he said, if I put it on a USB stick and put it in a basically deposit box, I can go back in 10 years and maybe it will still be there. Nobody can steal it. Whereas D&D Beyond is like, it's rental. And yes, it is highly unlikely that they're going to turn around and go, oh, that stuff you bought, we're going to take it away. Yeah. Well, it's just... You still have the physical copy. So, you know, yeah. I know you said quite before, you have the physical copy, you, you don't want to pay again for a digital copy. So this will hopefully I, make that a bit less of a problem. Hopefully. I certainly hope so. We'll see how, how it pans out. But um, um, I mean, I was looking at the changes to the fighters, and they do seem to be more about getting in there and doing damage than they seem to when I was last looking at what. Kind so of- yeah, so I'm fighters. In theory, one of my favourite classes. So I like the idea, not because it's simple necessarily, but I just like the idea of being this person in this crazy magical world. He's just said, oh yeah, you know, I'm fighting, you know, this lich who's, you know, changing reality. And I've gone, okay, I'm, I'm going to hit it with it. You know, everyone else is doing these crazy things. I'm the bloke who's just like, oh, I've picked up a spear and I'm going... All right, got to deal with this, and I've always just quite liked that. Like it's felt like I quite like like I quite like playing like Imperial Guard and Warhammer and stuff like that. Like I quite like being in a position where I'm like I can really pl- place myself in that exist that like that reality of that character. And the new fight is really good. It is it can do a lot of damage. So new champion, even if you play new champion fighter, which still isn't a particularly good subclass. It is so easy to get advantage now that you would expect to have advantage almost all the time. You would be doing insane right. levels of damage. Um, but it's still ultimately some of the issues with the fighter. The fighter was never a bad fighter, and some of the stuff they've done is essentially rebounce a fighter to remove the uh, power attack mechanic of shock to your great weapon master and move some of that power elsewhere into things which are more interesting. That's fine. But I don't actually think the fighting generally was a massive problem with the fighter. They could make it a bit more interesting, but they did a lot of that with Tasha's. The issue with the fighter is the moment you get out of a fight, most fighters can do very little. There's no skills, particularly a strength-based fighter. There's one skill attached to it. There's no skills attached to con. So suddenly you're really struggling to find that area where it's like you you can really contribute a lot in role-playing or a, well, you can contribute in role-playing, but in terms of skills and like other things you can do, the reality is most of the time, almost all the time, someone can do it better than you because you just don't have those innate built skills. And that's the problem with the fighting. They've improved on it, but I don't think they've really necessarily hit on the issue. I mean, the, the fighters do look like they're more like, like Dresk from Guardians of the Galaxy, where, you know, dumb but powerful. Seem to be the character style, and now they just seem to be more powerful. Which, you know, a, a good fighter needs needs the power, and the bonus attacks and all the, the advantage that they are are getting are, I think, will make being a fighter a much more valuable asset in a battle. But as you said, they're limited to just basically DPS with no yeah. not much more outside of that. Yes. 
yeah, so they've kind of addressed the problem, but it gets back to that issue of the question, right? Like everyone's like, oh yeah, I realize you fight these features because they've they've they have made the fighter better. Weapon mastery is more interesting. Mm-hmm. So once you get to those levels where it's like every hit you can swap them up, so it's like, okay, do I want to push this guy or do I want to try and knock him down? Yes. That's that's suddenly starts getting interesting. Or if you want to do insane stuff um and start like juggling weapons with nick you can do like a gazillion attacks it's a bit gamey but you can't do it but so that says it's a bit gamey in the game that we're playing no no but a bit gamey in the sense that if you attack with your not light weapon in your right hand you then drop it you then left hand attack with your nick offhand attack with your nick weapon you can then take another attack with your you then swap that weapon to your right hand attack, and then you can make a fourth attack. Like, there's loads of ways of like exploiting how the interactions work and dropping weapons to add like extra attacks. So it's just which for some people is like, yes, please, that is my jam. Whereas for me, it's like, no, can I just hit it, please, and pretend I'm Zoro? That'd be great. Yeah, well, yeah, but like, so there's lots of things you can do. And there's lots of options, and that's great. But it's that I'm misunderstanding the question. Where it's like, well. Yeah, but most people I knew didn't really have a problem with saying, oh, if I want to be a fighty fighter, I'm going to take Great Weapon Master, Polearm Master, and Sentinel, and I'm just going to destroy people. Like, that still wasn't necessarily the problem. It was that, okay, A, that can, that can get a bit boring, but, you know, you play Battle Master or something, you can make it interesting. Bring in a couple new interesting subclasses, so you can fix that. But the issue is still roleplay. The, the default fighter doesn't really bring added things to roleplay other than the roleplay you bring, which as a fighter you're kind of in that, you're probably in that niche, a strength-based fighter in particular, you're kind of in that niche where you're just like, oh, I can't really do much. So you just stand back until they need a heavy rock move. I see Hulk. That's, that's, that's the sort of thing that you would, uh, you would establish up front, because you'd be like, we know, we all know going into this campaign what sort of campaign we want to play. And so whatever, you know, whatever the, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the features of the fighter are you're the one who's going to really bring that roleplay element you're right it is cool to do cool things but i mean i have played one fighter that was basically a diplomat with a rapier he was basically d'artagnan um, i was like yes technically this is maybe not the best class to go with this particular type of character but i was like ah, well, i'm just gonna play him as a fighter i don't even think that was 5e i think that's something else but yeah, but it depends on the system you're playing in, right? Like, Pathfinder, the fighter is so strong that you can kind of get away with just... If you did some throwaway stuff on top of just your normal stuff, you, you'd probably be okay. But the fighter really needs you to actually build it pretty well. Yeah, it's not complicated. You throw one of the power attack things on, one of the things that gives you a bonus action attack, and in combat you're going to be effective. But that's your first two feats used, you're probably going to want a third feat, and then you have to ASI bump up whatever your core skills are, you don't, it's really hard to find space in a character, if you want to build a character that's strong, like I, so this is coming from a perspective of someone who likes optimization, right? I enjoy making characters that are strong, I like going to roleplay and do some other stuff, but you actively have to compromise yourself to actually have these skills. If I play a a bard, I can optimize a bard, and they just, you can do, you've got expertise, you've got spells, you've got, you know, you potentially have AO, like loads of different AOE stuff, and you can just change the game. 
Plus, depending on how you build it, you can be a respectable fighter. Uh, but the strength yeah, stat is fighter. limited. I, I, I can't think of how often we ever use strength stats in anything other than a fight. Yeah. Or maybe like a wrestle. Like you can occasionally maybe be creative and be like, okay, we're going to do a drinking contest, and you're going to you can use your con. So you can use your con. Use the variant rule where you apply a different skill to a, a different ability to a skill. So you say, oh, you can use a con intimidation check to try and just down this pint and out drink this person, right? There are there are things you can do with that, but that a requires a lot of sort of DM DM creativity. Yeah. Um, a lot of players aren't, like, so just playing with a lot of players aren't used to even just being like, oh, what's my perception? What, what do I add to that? Like, you know, I play with lots of people and then you suddenly go, okay, I want you to, you try and explain like, okay, you've got your proficiency and then you're adding your, your proficient in that and then you're adding your con or whatever. It, it just, it, yeah, it doesn't, for me, that's one of the, it, it, it's really tricky and that lack of diversity of things you can do does just to give a fight it doesn't do any favors uh the other the, i mean the other, other class i was looking at was uh, druids um which do seem to be getting again uh, some of the changes do seem to be quite nice especially for going down uh circle of the moon with the um with shapeshifting and that definitely seems to be getting a, a nice boost which I, I always felt was for a class who the big that thing is, your, is they can change your USP, it. Isn't they? Yeah. It seemed extremely restrictive, but they seem to be adding more options, especially at higher levels, like where you can trade in um, spell slots for the ability to use a bonus action to shapeshift um, to um, what's it called again? Uh, Take your wild shape. Wild shape, yep, that's one. Um, so it's it it's again. It looks like that they are adding improvements to help with. With that as well, um, yeah. The druid, druid looks pretty good. I think Circle is interesting. Um, I think so. I've in Druid has been my main class for two of the main campaigns that we've played. I really like Druids. I think they have. I think it is an improvement. I do think some of the quality. So this is where like the update can be really good, right? Some base quality of life upgrades um, can be really good, like the ability to speak in wild shape. Mm, yeah, it sounds little, but it's such a big thing mm. because the ability to speak in wild shape suddenly you don't have to play. Um, it's not Lotus Den Halfling, it's um, one of the other Halflings that has telekines telekinesis base. You're not instantly looking at, okay, I'll take the telekinetic feet so I can speak. Or you're not having to speak to your DM, like, I, as a bear, am, like, getting up and dancing, or can can I draw in the ground, or what, you yeah, know. There's definitely that. times. There's definitely been times when I've been playing a druid and I played a wolf and I was like, don't go in there. And the DM was like, oh, you can't say anything because you're a watcher. I was like, well, I put my teeth jelly on his shoulder and pull back. And unless the people are like, it's the players you're playing with are like, okay, fair enough. As a player, I know what you're trying to do. But as a character, I don't. But I, you can make the, give them the benefit of the doubt and go, yeah, as a player, I probably know you don't want me to go in here by doing this. But it was like making me go jump through these hoops to do something as simple yeah. as don't go in that room. With me actively 
biting him gently and pulling him back. And you don't want to change, you don't want to wild shape and then wild shape again because that's a waste of wild shape. Yeah, I, I, yes, I, totally. And that, that's where, particularly for classes which can get nerfed, like need their wild shape for combat. And suddenly it's like, oh, we made you wild shape because you can do this thing. And one of the things with druids, they've got such versatility, be like, can you wild shape to do this, solve this problem for us? But then, yeah, having to unwild shape and be like, oh, I went and checked them. The coast seems to be clear, but you've come back to tell them the coast seems to be clear because your DM's like, you as a beetle can't communicate the coast is clear, yeah. right? And that's one of the so greatest things on being a. You have to untransform. But, like, yeah. yeah, suddenly you walk in, turns out that there were a bunch of kobolds hiding and you didn't have a high enough passive perception score. But you you've done a couple of those searches and had to come back and untransform and then suddenly as a circle of mood you're like okay well, well, what do i do i'm i'm all over out wild ships and don't have wild ships anymore nice nice <laughs> yeah yeah i mean you just yeah you know, you're still yeah. a full spell caster I, it, it's hard to feel that bad as a as a druid but like that sort of quality of life improvement is something that you bring with one deal. It's like you're it's like a rogue not getting a sneak attack. It's what you do, but what's the point in doing it? If you can't do it anymore, you feel like if you didn't expend your resource in a useful way, you're like that was a wasted resource. Yeah. Yeah. And I've I have i have i have always wondered why if you can shapeshift, why you lose your ability to speak when you're not becoming the animal, you are just taking on the form of so there'll be self-like speech that I, I, I can't, I, I've never understood why they would take that away. You know, you, you may yeah. not be able to, to speak fluently because, you know, you, you don't have a normal mouth kind of thing. If, if you're there, you may be a bit mumbled, but your ability to speak, I, I've never understood why they would take that away. So I mean, lack of vocal cords is a pretty clear justification. Yeah, I was about to say. Uh, you know, like, I, I think there's... This is where, but this is where, like, having played the system, they can apply some understanding. But what what's so difficult is they've shown some real understanding with some the subtleties of the druid, I think, to improve it. And I, I actually think things like carrying over your AC, mm. that's so huge. They're still going to really struggle for damage. I still think moon druids, which don't scale very well, have always had the problem that once you hit level five, they're super OP before level five. After level five, they tend to really struggle. I still think they're going to struggle, but carrying, doing things like having the moon be an option, carrying your AC, a few of those other things, I think does improve, at least gives some improvements and they've shown some knowledge there. And the wild inconsistency with which they've applied the knowledge, that sort of knowledge and learnings is, I mean, shown, I think, so much by the monk. I just. Yeah, the monk's one I haven't looked at yet. Um... Rogue is really good. Rogue, the entire like idea of using a sneak attacks of resource, like it's it's apparently an artifact for old editions. I'm not super in favor with old editions, but, mm. yeah. but so that entire I idea say... I think works really well. You've got decisions, and decisions are powerful rather than a rogue just being just being like, oh, I'm just going to attack because that's all most rogues do. Mm. really really good way of making rogue interesting some really powerful abilities but also just you always have a choice and the other thing they do which i really like and someone said and i think hit the nail on the head if you decide to do your full sneak attack damage you feel better about it now because you've chosen to do all that damage mm. it's not this is just what i do it's a no i've chosen to do that extra 2d6 and oh you know that five and that four that may well have been that extra there's extra 2d6 and that feels pretty good mm. Um, so I really like what they've done with the road. 
I, a lot of it does seem to be quality, quality of life over drastic changes. Uh, I know they're yeah. saying fighters in general are getting the biggest change um, of, of of them all. With a lot of the other ones, they're just I think standardizing everything. Uh, like yeah. you know, getting spell trees that are limited to uh, what was what they called them, like certain. That's like, gone. That's gone. Well, they've got, all right. they. They they did just that in the last playtest. So they were doing the um, it's like arcane, yeah, nature primal, holy or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah arcane primal and uh, ninja, whatever the last one was. Um, but they they ditched that because they, I think they realised there was too much. They were having all these problems with like spells that should be class specific, mm. and then just like. Yeah, just access to spell lists like there's certain things that certain classes kind of feet favor crossover two different types of spell casting with them like what do we give them the whole then they end up giving them the whole list because like well if we do by the list we have to give them the whole list and it's like suddenly like why does your why is the bard casting this spell does it make sense maybe not unless you're more cast more classing which is a different thing what a different thing Altogether, all the thing that like, yeah. the thing I, I think uh, pointy hat the YouTube channel said you know the class fantasy does the class fulfill the fantasy we're going for bard he plays a song and everyone gets inspired inspired that works a fighter fights things the, you know monk you think what do you think of when you think of a monk Crooked master it's like Jackie Chan you want to run up walls and do flips and stuff that's that's the class fantasy when I think of monk I think Spin Kingdom Jelly uh, you know. Those sort of like people are flipping around and jumping off walls and stuff. That's my class fantasy. That's what I want to. That's what I want to do. And do those abilities match up with that class fantasy? Mm. True. Do you like? I'm one with nature, so I become one with nature, so I can become nature. I can become the animals. That's why, to me, anyway, the way I look at it. Yeah. So the issue with the monk isn't that they haven't got a lot of things which make you feel like a monk, right? Like you're quick, you're an armored, you're punching things, you you can run up walls, you can run over water, you can catch missiles, all that stuff. It's the actual mechanical understanding of tying everything to the one resource in terms of um, chi or whatever they're calling it now because they've rebranded it. I think they've rebranded discipline points, which um, fine, but like they're still tying everything to one resource and that just on a fundamentally really weak class and then tying almost all subclass abilities to that same thing. So it's not that they don't have an idea, but when you've got rogue, which one of the things I like about Rogue is they can do all their stuff, almost all their stuff without spending resource, and they can do some really cool things. Then monks have very similar abilities to the Rogue, but have to spend a resource every time they do it. It doesn't make sense. Hmm. Yeah, but it's just objectively not as good. I think. No. Um, yeah, so the OGL and the, um, the horrific, <laughs> um, uh, horrific content of. 1.1 which they're now claiming they're not doing do you do you think after that we've heard of it or do you think they're gonna somehow find a way to slowly integrate it over time to get what they want without people noticing it's kind of creative commons i don't think there's a lot much they can do this they're not going to do anything that's tied up in creative commons they don't own that anymore so that side of things, I think, is pretty done and dusted. Um, they don't have, it's essentially under the guardianship of someone else. I think 
the entire fallout from it, I think, is is interesting. Definitely seeing more people given channels which didn't typically do homebrew previously. It's doing some homebrew. Um, I think they made a terrible call. I think they made a huge misjudgment and they managed it very, very poorly. But, you know, if I'm being honest, do I think most players actually care? I think probably not. But I, think, I, don't, I don't think it's going to have a massive impact on the community. I don't think like Project Black Flag, I've had a look at, just seem to be 5e rules slightly tweaked. I, I just, I really would be surprised if lots of people are going to play some of the alternative systems if they're not very, very different. So, um, uh, Indestructible is one of YouTube, he's making a thing called Vanguard, but he's just like, I'm just going to look at trying to decide a completely different system. Mm. Like, that to me is far more interesting than playing another 5e-like system. Yeah. Um, Albeit Baldur's Gate 3 does show that like a very similar system with some slight system adjustments can actually be really interesting. So I guess that's the counterpoint now is like actually having played a 5e-like game that changes some things subtly through BG3, I might actually now be more tempted um, than I was previously. Yeah, for the last, for the last week, the only things I've been reading are changes to... D and and what's been going on, and how they made uh, BG three because that's a uh, an epic game. <laughs> that is great. It's um, I'm like twenty four hours in, and I'm still struggling to get the fighting figured out. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I just just there's one solution: just shove people off cliffs. Just just huh. always shove off cliffs, and then and then you'll be fine. And then when you don't, when there isn't a cliff, you just panic. And that that's that's my approach to combat. Yeah, I found out the cliff thing the hard way when someone did it to me and got one of my characters knocked off. Then I had to spend five minutes walking down to the bottom of him to to res him to get at the end of the fight. Uh, yeah, was, yeah. That was a. Um, but that's interestingly going back to previous conversation that's where Baldur's Gate's really interesting because they made those capacity so important shoving so important and jumping so important mm. that strength is a really 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 useful stat in Baldur's Gate 3 by making all they had to do is make shove a bonus action in and create trains with verticality and then suddenly that entire like be able to be strong and be able to jump high and all those sort of things yeah people can fly but you don't want to spend spell slots on that all the time and things like that like and just in combat as well gives you that. It, they've done a really good job, I think, with making strength characters more interesting. Mm, it's that's um, that was one of the things I, I was going to be be talking about closer to the end, but um, time limits and, and all that. So I'll be saving that one for another day for a more in depth talk on that one. Um, in regards to what you said, Quinn, um, I don't think it's not. I think they're going to the pivoting quite hard because they realize they put the foot in it. Like business, a company is always going to act in their best interest for their business. Um, but you're right, Matt. Uh, they they basically haven't got a choice anymore. They've realized they've messed up big. I don't think they're going to recover from it. I think people are going to be really wary now. Those who care about it are just going to be like, right, this is our livelihood. We're not taking this into account. So it's just going to die to us. Are you right? Having lots of different 5B versions, it's Kangar. Uh, 5e, 
which is the Hot Players Handbook, which is basically the Players Handbook, except a PDF, and it's three quid. It's, it's a five and only, but it's been three quid for quite some time now. And it's basically all the same stuff. It's like tiefling, it's called something else, but it's the same information. If you can't afford £25 hardback book, of course you're going to go buy the £3 book mm-hmm. PDF and then play with me a set up down at the pub. I think you don't even you know, need to buy a PDF now. You just go online. Yeah, exactly, yeah. They, they can't even protect it just being on like. So all I'd say is, yeah, no, they're not. I don't think they can ever, like you said, they can't get back now. They can't. The things out of the bottle, they're not getting it back. Mm-hmm. However, I think they'll try and. If they, is their VTT is better than other VTTs, great. But if it's one more VTT and it gives people options, great. The video editing world is Premiere or Final Cut or maybe DaVinci Resolve. That's, that's three. That's not a lot of options. If you have 20 options to play by V, great, because it means one person can't hold a monopoly. If you've got different, if you've got seven or eight versions of D&D Beyond, great, so that nobody can hold a monopoly. So I'm playing with mates and I'm like, oh great, I've got these PDFs, I want to play online with you, but you haven't got the stuff with D&D Beyond. And amazingly, one of the players is like, no, no, I bought the Halo's handbook. Just all of my campaigns, now all my players have got access to the core books and I can't share them because I haven't got the PDF. So I can't send it to them and I don't feel comfortable going to an illegal site and getting it that way. I'd rather, sure, I've got a legal book, I want to share it with you online just for you. That's what D&D Beyond's for, but I don't want to buy the book again. Yeah. But I agree with Matt, they're not going to try again, but at the same time, they've lost my trust and I'm not giving it. Every every way I can support someone else who's not Wizards of the Coast, that's all I'll do. I do suspect um, version 6 probably will have a new OGL attached to it, but you know, it's going to yeah. be from that point onwards. They're not going to try the backtracking thing, so. Which they tried, and well, that, uh, well, that that's the worst part of it, I think. And also saying, if, you, trust. if yeah, I'm a lot more wary of them than I ever have been. They're owned by Hasbro. They're a big company, to be honest. I think when people are like, oh, we're so shocked. I'm like, what you think? Hasbro. Yeah. <laughs> you think you think Amazon are the good guys? Like, what what's yeah. going on? Yeah. Like, let's let's be honest. They're big companies. They're out to make money. Like, people were like, I'm so shocked. What's you've done it? No, but for me, I was just always just. I was just like, is I don't feel worse or better because like, I think it was mainly a Hasbro move anyway. But that's. A lot of it's like, well, yeah, the company did something wrong. They tried to do something to redeem it, but they're, they're a money-making company. Yeah, they made a bad call. It's annoying. But I think people who trusted them as this, like, oh, trust them a lot. I was kind of like, well, yeah, it's still a money-making game. Some of the rules they put out are really good. And some of the rules, like, they put out some really shit books. Like, that's just... It's just the nature of the company, like, I, I don't know, it's never, it was never like that big a deal for me. Uh, I think on that note, um, I'd like to say thank you for, for being part of this. Uh, hopefully you'll want to partake in, in future ones when we have a bit more time and a bit more uh, planning uh, to get something done. And um, sure. yeah, thank you very much. And, and you as well, Carl John. You're welcome. Sorry, um, interruption. Uh, so, um, yep. So, until next time. Take care. Thank Bye. you, and thank you very much again.